0: Listening to the best of Living Wealthy Radio with Teresa Kuhn. Be sure to catch our show live every Sunday on 1370 AM Austin. For information, archives, and upcoming presentations, visit our website at www.livingwealthyradio.com. What if there was a place where your hard-earned cash could grow safely and sanely, without being pilfered by bankers, Wall Street, tax collectors? ...or other persons of dubious character. A place where you could say no to the motion sickness inducing ups and downs of the stock market. Where you didn't have to grovel on your hands and knees... ...every time you wanted to borrow money from some tight-fisted banker... ...who collects all your private data and then turns you down. Such a world sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? Well it isn't. All you need to do is call toll-free right now and ask for your living wealthy financial information packet. It costs nothing and it will tell you exactly what you need to do to chart a more prosperous financial course and take back what belongs to you. So, do it. Call right now. 1-800-382-0830. That's one eight hundred three eight two zero eight three zero, 382 830 Or visit our website at www.livingwealthyfinancial.com. You'll be glad you did. Good Sunday, Austin. Welcome to Living Wealthy Radio with your host, Teresa Kuhn.
1: Good afternoon. You're listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard every Sunday at noon here on Talk Radio 1370 AM and 96.3 FM, streaming live at Talk1370.com. I am Teresa Kuhn, helping you live wealthier. Resources are available for you at LivingWealthyRadio.com. We live in uncertain economic times, changing technology in an increasing competitive environment, and businesses are learning that the old way of doing things are no longer working. We need new tools, new perspectives to thrive, and Rick Sapio is just the man to help us through. Rick has been an entrepreneur since he was 13 years old and started a bicycle repair company. Since then he has founded over twenty companies and has developed a passion for business execution. Today is the owner of a very successful holding company, is a business coach, giving speeches worldwide and advising entrepreneurs. Um he's been a driving force and mentor for me and my own company, and I'm very excited, Rick, to welcome you on Living Wealthy Radio. Thank you so hey, much for joining for us reason, today. It's a Great. Well, Rick, you know I'd, I'd like to just dig right into your background because I think your background, your story, is so unique, and really, I think is um, is why you you have the perspective on business that you have today. Why don't you tell us about your your family history and and what and why you started in the business world at such a young age?
2: Uh, I'd be glad to. And one thing, as I'm telling this story, I'm thinking about now that I'm the father of three and almost four children since my wife is pregnant and I'm 50, I think about how parents today uh, coddle their children, and they don't want their children to see anything negative, and they don't want their children to go through any distress or upset. And when you hear my story, uh, my life is full of upset in my early years, uh, which I'll get to in a moment. So I'm the seventh of nine children, which is pretty cool, Uh, born to Frank and Marie in Hoboken, New Jersey. And... My father was the type of guy, old-school Italian, that demanded dinner on the table every night. And so my earliest uh, memories were sitting on the end of the table right next to my dad, and we had a sign seating, and you couldn't miss dinner no matter what. So it was great. We talked about life. We talked about values. We talked about family. We talked about divorce. My parents said, you never get divorced. You stay married for life. And all of the kids today, I'm happy to report, are married, and there's over 210 years of marriage between us. Wow. Yeah, and that, despite the story I'm about to tell you, so uh, I was a rambunctious kid, and my mother would say to my dad, you know, take him to the office with you.
1: At what age was this? Three. At three years old, you were at the office.
2: Yep, and my dad loved having me around. He was my best friend. I remember vividly traveling with him, sitting next to him in his car, going to breakfast, lunches, and dinners. He owned a new car dealership. And there was a lot of movement, a lot of driving, a lot of picking up and checking out cars. I got to see from three years old to uh, 12 years old unbelievable things in business. Because in a dealership, you see a lot of interactions. There's countless conversations. There's arguments. There's lawsuits. There's parts. There's service. There's real estate. There's all kinds of things happening and so I got to see thousands of repetitions and I also got to see some really negative things like my father's devastating bankruptcy because he overextended his business and then I got to see uh, what I'm about to tell you when I was um, 11 we sat down for family dinner and uh, there was nothing on the table everybody was crying and I remember saying what's going on where's dinner and I hear shut up Ricky They called me Ricky when I was a kid. Where's dinner? What's going on? And my father announced at the time prior to me getting there that uh, he had cancer, inoperable cancer, and that they gave him uh, six weeks to live. Mm. And so you know about health. He went on a radical uh, raw food diet, which in 1974 was almost unheard of, and he was able to live two and a half years. But when he, when they found the cancer in that first visit to the doctor, it had already spread through his liver, his brain, his mm. tumors all over his body. It was really advanced. So um, unbelievably, he stayed alive for two and a half more years. But the toll that it took on my mother was such that she had a massive nervous breakdown that she never recovered from. And so when my dad died at 13... And my mother was committed to a hospital, a mental hospital. We went from family dinners on the table every night to no parents and total chaos, you would think. But we powered through it as kids. We worked, started my first business soon after my dad died. We all went to college except one of us. Everyone got a four-year college degree. Most of us are very entrepreneurial. And it was devastating to say the least, yet from the ashes, I guess, I've never put it this way, but from the ashes, uh, we've all developed great family lives for ourselves, we've all developed uh, immense relationships, we've, you know, we believe in family dinners, I like to say, and you've heard me talk about it, that all great things in America start at the family dinner table, and that's why my wife and I came up with a family placemat, which is a placemat you put on the table that lists your wedding vows and values for the family and vacation plans and rules and your family crest. And while you're having dinner, it uh, gives you something to talk about. So um, anyway, my background gave me a very blessed position, I guess, for lack of a better way of saying it. I, f- I feel blessed. I feel like I've, I, I had the right parents. I feel like I had the right circumstances uh from which to grow and learn and become better and dig deep and see a lot of negatives so that I know what I don't want. But at the same time, had my dad not shown me in a vulnerable way, everything, I mean, I got to see, I remember I was about eight or nine and he was meeting with his banker and I had to chime in in the meeting and it was a very contentious meeting and how many nine, eight or nine year olds get the opportunity to do that day in and day out. So Um, After school, I went to his, his car lot, is what we called it at the time. So that is my background, and that's the answer to your question.
1: Very unique background, but you know what's so fascinating to me, Rick, is your father was your best friend. At 13, he died. Right, And so many people look back at their childhood and say, gosh, this was the point in my childhood where I went off the deep end or, or things changed for me. What, what kind of foundation did your parents set for you and, and your brothers and sisters where you guys thrived instead of going off the deep end?
2: Very simple answer, and it's funny. It's Module 3 in Business Finishing School which is called Using Rhythms to Amplify Success.
1: So let's talk about Business Finishing School for just one second. That is your mentorship, entrepreneur, business school, um, online training, correct?
2: Yeah, I decided to take all these lessons I learned in life and put them in an online format for people, and over 800 people have been through the program. And it's basically things I learned my whole life the hard way because I don't want people to repeat the mistakes that i made and i often say that people generally don't make the same mistake twice they usually make it 30 or 40 times Mm. (laughs) so we don't want you to make it once never mind twice or 30 or 40 so uh what my parents did that they instilled in us which, which was incredible were the rhythms associated with life so uh dinner on the table every night my uh parents after dinner on friday nights every weekend from when i was born that i could remember uh, they had date night every friday night they were very much in love so i got to witness a fairy tale you know they had all these kids but they made us independent and they used to say to us we are primary mom and dad are primary and you guys are secondary go figure it out in a sense and i think all too often today couples see the opposite they they live only for the kids and through the kids And the kids have this importance about them, and it destroys them later in life, whereas we knew we were second. We knew mom and dad were first. We knew that they had date night every Friday night. We knew that um, every six months they went on a week's vacation. We knew that um, there were a lot of family rituals and rhythms that we never compromised on. And so that rhythmic way of operating, uh, they said we're never going to move from this house. So even through my father's bankruptcy, we never moved nor did we move after they died. Fortunately, so they died. I, I refer to it often as they died because I lost my mom and dad at the same time, even though she lived. Um, but fortunately, just before he got cancer, they got a life insurance policy on my dad, and it wasn't just enough to pay off the house.
1: Mm.
2: Which, which, in the insurance, as you know, <laughs> you're selling insurance. That was a lifesaver. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. So, what they put in our minds and in our uh, lives were habits, church on Sunday, after church we would go visit the extended family, we would come home for a big family dinner, and what I'm doing for my young children is exactly the same thing, putting those rhythms in place. And I noticed with a lot of families, I had, this is an interesting story, a friend of mine said, I heard you, you, you're you a really good cook. I said, yeah, great cook. So he said, we, we want to have dinner. I said, well, let's do a typical Sunday dinner. So I I emailed his wife and I said order these things and I'll come over and I'll cook. So I go to their house. It's it's in Texas in Dallas. Cook this great meal. I have like three courses in my mind to lay it all out. And then um uh the the young son he was about six. He comes in. He grabs a plate and he goes up to his bedroom and closes the door. Mm. And then the wife does the exact same thing. And then all of a sudden it's me and him sitting on the couch. He's got his feet up. And he said, we've never used a table in this house. So immediately I got upset. I grabbed everybody. I pulled them down put them in in the dining room table. So I had three kids with pusses on their face, wife with a puss on her face. We don't do this. This isn't what we do. I said, family dinners are meant to be eaten together. And that was bizarre to these people. But unfortunately, that's America. And so I want to change that. But I'm answering the question of what do my parents do? Rhythms, consistency, church every Sunday, all of those things that I live with and think about
1: today. You know, Rick, you're, you're wildly successful by, you know, all means, right? By all standards, you've, you've accomplished so much. And what's very interesting to me is that your values are so old-fashioned. And what you teach is just foundational and basic, just going, you know, going back to, you know, Family rituals, family time. at 50, having four kids, now your wife's pregnant with the fourth, you're obviously very opti- optimistic about the future and about your family. And um, it's just so interesting that you go back to just the basics: family time, um, the, the family values, the placemat, the conversations, and you believe that's what got your family through a, a, really a tragedy.
2: There's no question. We would have gotten a free pass uh, growing up in and around Hoboken and, and seeing a lot of crime and the mafia and all that stuff. And a lot of friends went the other way in the in the 60s and early 70s. There was a lot of you know, corruption and areas that I could have gone. And what got us through that was exactly what we're talking about here. And I would have gotten a free pass if I became a drug addict or an alcoholic. Oh, well, his dad died. His mother disappeared. But obviously that didn't happen. So um, that's why it's incredibly important, I believe, for all you parents out there. Stop coddling your children. Make your spouse a priority. Let your kids know that your marriage is more important than parenting. And you know what's going to happen? You'll become a better parent because the kids will become more independent. And I've learned that uh, in many different ways. Exactly what I just said. So, uh, I,
1: I want to give you an opportunity to brag about your accomplishments in the business world, because um, for the benefit of our listeners to know who, who it is, you know who you are and what you've accomplished. Um, you've recently spoken at TEDx. Um, your well, go ahead, start bragging.
2: Well, it's not my nature to brag. I would That's say why that, I'm pushing uh, you. We, uh, I was very fortunate to uh, be able, because of a mentor, when I was 11, just when my father became ill, my mother sent me to live with an extended relative who I'd never met before. And he took me to lunch. I'll never forget. He was kind of a gruff old man, but he owned an engineering company. And he said to me, I heard you're good in math why don't you become an engineer? And I said, well, why would I want to become an engineer? And he said, well, because if you if you get an engineering degree from a good school, you, be, you could become a doctor, a lawyer, an entrepreneur, a businessman. You could do whatever you want. And I'll never forget, I never talked to the guy again. And when I lived with him, I never saw him because he was always working. But he took me to his office after lunch. We had burgers at a fast food chain. And I couldn't believe this vast empire in my 11-year-old mind. Couldn't believe it. And everybody was calling him, you know, by his, uh, you know, Mr. His last name happened to be O'Donnell, Mr. O'Donnell. And anyway, after that meeting, I kept saying, anytime somebody said, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I said, well, I don't know, but I'm going to get an engineering degree because I be- could become a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. And I focused on math. And I ended up uh, getting a scholarship to go to Rutgers and an engineering uh and I got a scholarship to the engineering school. And so Rutgers had a phenomenal engineering program in those days. And so I got my engineering degree, and I was able to secure a job on Wall Street. And at 29, I decided to start my own holding company. And so I did very well uh, trading securities. I was not a um, a uh, trader where you just stare at a computer. I went out and found businesses to give us their money and it was it was I was mainly selling uh, bonds and mainly distressed bonds so I was able to interact with some incredible people all over the country uh names you would know and did very well and then decided to start my own business at 29 and what I'm most proud of if this is a form of bragging is for the last 20 years I've come to the same office in with the same uh <laughs> in the same building with the same desk. This is a desk, I'm tapping it right now, that uh, I bought 20 years ago. And it's just been great. We've been able to invest in 75 other companies through our holding company. We've made a lot of horrible investments, and we've learned from them. Uh, but fortunately, many have been good investments. And so I'm proud of the fact that we've built a over the past 20 years a great business that people like working for, and that helps a lot of people. And one of the manifestations of that help is uh, we started this business finishing school to teach people what we've learned the hard way, and you went into that program, Mm -hmm. and you've actually changed a lot since I've met you, um, putting these principles on the ground. So what makes me the proudest is that I realized later in life that my purpose is to inspire entrepreneurship And my catalyzing statement is a successful entrepreneur inside of every family. And what our business does now through its investing and through buying companies and through educating people on business principles is we're manifesting that purpose of inspiring entrepreneurship and the vision, which we call a catalyzing statement, of a successful entrepreneur in every family. Just imagine, Teresa, if every family in the United States, and let's go for the world, if everyone was raising successful entrepreneurs, how incredible would the world be? We wouldn't be so dependent on uh, government. the government. Yeah, We wouldn't have so many billions of prescription pills swallowed every week. Billions of prescription pills. Because we can't figure out why we can't get on purpose. I believe that every day that goes by that a human being listening to this show is living every day that you're living without being on purpose the world is being ripped off because the world wants your purpose they want you to live on purpose they don't want you to be frustrated and depressed and popping pills and not knowing you know where your life uh, will take you you've got to you got to take your life somewhere so anyway um why don't you ask, because I'm going to go start ranting. Ask me another question.
1: Well, well, I so agree with, with your catalyzing statement. I've hopefully have raised my child to think independently. I have raised him to think like an entrepreneur. Um, he recently got a job as a host at a restaurant, and the day he was hired, the day he started, I sat down with him and I said, okay, you're starting a, as a host. This is great. You're starting you know, at the most basic position. I want you to look at the, the server position and the manager's position and think about if you own the restaurant, what would it look like? I wanted him to think big, and I remember my husband's listening to the conversation going. It's his first day. <laughs> and I'm like, "No, I don't care if it's his first day. He's got to think bigger than his position. He's got to think bigger than, you know, his little what what the world might think a little host job. Entrepreneurship, what does it require to be an entrepreneur? It requires you to sweat and think, and be creative, and and live on purpose, and it can be energizing, and it can be depressing, but it makes you feel alive, Mm -hmm. as opposed to how many many people in this world are just robots, just...
2: I love the definition for entrepreneurship, because it fits anybody, and if you watch the TEDx talk, um I was giving a speech to a group of stay at home moms and talking about, you know, inspiring entrepreneurship and the woman raises her hand and says, Well, I'm a stay at home mom, I'm I'm not an entrepreneur. And I said, uh well, I all due respect, but my definition of entrepreneurship is taking responsibility for outcomes. And as a mom, you're taking responsibility for an unbelievable outcome, mm-hmm. the future of our planet. And your son being a host in a restaurant can be entrepreneurial by taking responsibility for outcomes how's the restaurant look how are people's experience in there how is everything going is it clean are the other employees happy you pick an outcome take responsibility for it and you're an entrepreneur so either you're taking responsibility for outcomes or you're being a victim of outcomes which one do you want to be
1: i want to be responsible for my outcomes of course i want my 17 year old to be responsible for his outcomes So today he's sharing with me how he's serving food and and doing other things. And I'm I'm just so proud of him and so excited for him. And he he loves learning. He's energized to go to work. He loves his job. And he's working Friday and Saturday nights as a 17-year-old and loving it. I could not be happier as a mom. Could not be happier. So what you're teaching, Rick, through the Business Finishing School is not only – Uh, principles for business owners but principles for living
2: no doubt a business is a manifestation of a person and it starts with a purpose and you know ironically there's so much crossover we've had people get in the program this has only happened a few times but i love it the first module is is called values-based decision making and What I've learned about values-based decision-making is if you make decisions, every decision in your life, from a set of values, and you transpose that way of thinking to a business, you look at a company like Apple. The reason why Apple became the largest market cap company on Earth at one point was because they'd never violated their values. Well, think about a human being. Let's go back to the human being side. Having a set of values that they never violate how successful would you be if you never value? I mean, you never violated your values, and mm. so we've come up with this thing in module one called uh, the uh,
1: the doorman door, principle.
2: Yeah, the doorman principle. I love so, it. Yeah, imagine that you, you you for the listeners out there, imagine that you come up with a set of values that are very concrete. You know, family first, or whatever you want your values are. My my number one primary value is simplicity. I like to keep everything in my life simple, but you, I have eleven values that I live by. So you have a doorman, an imaginary doorman, guarding the door into your life. So I want you to imagine that this, this room of your life has one door in. Anytime somebody comes into that room of your life, they are with you forever. And what I have learned is every single time I let someone or something, like a project or a business, into the door which enters the room of my life, They stay there forever because they're part of me now. So a guy was arguing with me. He goes, well, that's not true. I I divorced my wife 20 years ago. Mm. And I said, you did, but you're still paying alimony in your hater guts. He goes, yeah, good point.
1: And on a spiritual level, right, maybe not a physical level, but a spiritual level, an emotional level, that marriage is still there.
2: Yep. And so if you imagine that from this point forward, you draw a line in the sand. In your business life and in your personal life, You're never letting anything past your doorman and into your room unless it completely aligns with your values. How much success would you have? And so I call this uh, the multiplier effect because uh, Albert Einstein, I believe, he said that he talks about compounding interest is the most profound Mm -hmm. thing. Well, I think compounding decisions are even more profound if you, from this point forward in your life, only make decisions that align with your values, both in your business and in your personal life, you're going to make right decisions all the time. They begin compounding, and it starts accelerating. And that's why Apple became Apple, and Southwest Airlines became Southwest Airlines, and very successful people become very successful because this multiplier effect of right decisions over time aligned with values.
1: So, it's so simple, but... Oh, my gosh, Rick, I love listening to you explain it because it's it's just so profound. We are going to take a short break. When we get back, we're going to talk about um, the live business boot camp that's coming up in September in Dallas and um, more about the, the principles and the modules in the Business Finishing School. So uh, this is Teresa Kuhn with Living Wealthy Radio and our guest today, Rick Sapio. We will be right back. You are listening to Living Wealthy Radio with Teresa Kuhn. Catch Teresa every Sunday at noon and be sure to visit livingwealthyfinancial.com for more information. Or call 1-800-382-0830 to set up a consultation with Teresa. She's local and excited to speak with you.
2: Good Sunday, Austin. Welcome to Living Wealthy Radio with your host, Teresa Kuhn.
1: Joining us again here, Living Wealthy Radio, Teresa Kuhn. And today we've got our guest, Rick Sapio, uh, entrepreneur, very, very successful. Um, He's the guy who interviews and has his friends billionaires and is in the process of writing a book, um, The Billionaire Mind. So, Rick, on your business finishing school uh, training that you do, the modules, uh, what other uh, modules would you say are your most uh, are your favorite
2: well, there's actually forty eight modules and how we've split it up uh my most favorite are the principles of business. I believe everybody's life in business needs to sit on top of a foundation, a principled foundation, and oftentimes in business, people think marketing and processes and management all that stuff is very important, and it is except that only works if it's on top of a solid foundation, a principled foundation. And so oftentimes I'll walk into a business and they'll be bragging about their marketing and all these exciting, blinky, shiny things. And I'll say, this this is great, but why are you going bankrupt? <laughs> and the reason they're going bankrupt oftentimes but the reason why business owners struggle and the reason why businesses don't accelerate is because they're not sitting on a foundation of principles, principles like values-based decision-making. Principles like having a catalyzing statement that accelerates growth. Principles like having rhythms and consistency inside of a business. No one ever stopped to wonder why. Um, you know. F- uh, well, they don't know about Lovey's Pizza, but Lovey's Pizza was founded the same year that Domino's Pizza was founded. And Lovey's has one store 30 years later, and Domino's has 11,000 stores. And that's because Domino's had rhythms and consistency of service and uh, objectives and all of those things. So I'm now, uh, the next module that I'm thinking about in the principled section, So the, 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 the foundational principles of business are the 12 modules that make up year one. That's my favorite because it builds the foundation. But I'm also excited about year two, year three, and year four because they're about year two, Um, is about business acceleration training. Now that you learn the principles, how do you accelerate your business? Year three is about accountability, and year four is about legacy. But let's stick to year one. I want to answer your question. Uh, Another one of my favorites is the 5,200% rule. And I gave it away by the title, but there was a study that was done a long time ago that uh, thousands of people were looked at. And what they found is that the difference between a top 1% employee and a comp- in a company, so imagine top 1%, best employee, the difference between them and an average employee in terms of bottom line profit, what would you think it is? And most people say, well, it's about 30% more, 50% more. It's actually 5,200% more. The average employee in a company actually costs you money. Because the average employee is working against you oftentimes. There was a study of over 5 million people done by Gallup. 5 million people, they interviewed them. And 72% of people interviewed were either completely disengaged from the company or actively working against the company, like sabotaged in some way, or reported that they were disengaged. So... There was five categories to choose from. The top two were positive. The next three three were uh, disengaged, completely disengaged, or some form of sabotage. 72% of employees, think about that. So imagine instead of that employee, you had completely empowered employees, and I call them 5,200 percenters. We show you exactly how to find those 5,200 percenters and how to hire them, and uh, you've met a couple of them. I have. Uh, You've met Ashley. I'm sure, mm-hmm. and 5,200% of will change your life as a business owner, but you have to know how to find them. Mm-hmm. And then another one that comes to mind that I love is rules-based decision-making. You have to have a crystal clear set of rules for how your business operates so you don't have to be Superman or Superwoman. Where all roads lead to you. And then I just want to mention one more because it's important. And it refers to you, Teresa, and that is Module 12 in Year 1 is Lifelong Investing Success. I cry, and I'm not exaggerating. I cry when I look at the investment track record of most business owners and most people in general. It's horrible. Ask any CPA that files taxes for a living. I ask, I've asked probably 100 CPAs. Whenever somebody tells me they're a CPA, I ask them this question. I go, how do your clients do when they invest? the answer is some form of absolutely horrible and the reason is people try to invest in things that they have no understanding of and i love the product you sell because you can't lose money you can only make money there's no way to lose money mm-hmm. yet people take unbelievable risk so you know it, it breaks my heart that people will you know work 20 years then retire and then give all their money into a horrible investment and now they're you know, completely distraught. So uh, I call it lifelong investing success. So I covered a lot of ground here. Bottom line is this. You've got to have the principles in your business and in your life. If you don't have the foundation, which is comprised of principles, you just will not have simplicity, probability, and leverage. And simplicity, probability, and leverage are the values of the program that we embed in, into your molecules. And so I realize we haven't talked about that yet, but uh, so let me just talk about it. So the three values, simplicity, probability, and leverage. Simplicity is about making your personal life and your business life as radically simple as possible with as few moving parts.
1: And and one let me interrupt you for a moment. It's it's so interesting. You can live anywhere in this world, and you have managed your business in a way that you live very, very close to your office. Your Your entire life is so simple so that you can leverage your time and your relationships.
2: Yeah, you, that's one of the manifestations of it. I keep everything simple. I I get my paycheck from one holding company, which is why I have a holding company. Uh there's a lot of ways we can go with the simplicity theme. Uh I have one wife. You know, that helps. <laughs> you no know people with four ex-wives. Right. <laughs> um but yeah, I, I don't believe in commuting, never have. Um you know, the thing about having one holding company that pays you, when when I make an investment, the holding company makes it. So oftentimes I have friends, they have you know, they have their company that pays them their salary and bonus and then they have real estate over here and they decided to buy the building that their company is in and they decided to they do all these complex things outside of the holding company structure and it just complicates the hell out of their life. So Yes, simplicity is the first value of the program, which we try to get you to live in your life. The second one is probability. I want people, every time they have a decision in their business to make, they have to say this to themselves. Will this decision increase or decrease the probability that I could sell my business for more money later? And oftentimes people don't look at their business as an asset that they could sell later. They look at it as kind of a, a job that, you know, when they're 60, they just walk away from it. What if you looked at your business as an entity, a golden goose that you could add value to? So when you're about to hire your sister-in-law who's out of work or your brother-in-law who's out of work, you say, wait a minute, Is hiring my brother-in-law and bringing nepotism into the office, is that going to increase or decrease the probability of the business being worth more? Of course, it's a, a horrible decision. Why not find the best CFO you could possibly find or the best head of sales, or the best whatever, rather than uh, having a daughter, cousin, brother-in-law, et cetera. And then the last thing is leverage. Leverage is really simple. Do things through other people, other entities, other other companies, et cetera. And I love the exercise Bill Gates taught me uh, through a book I read that he wrote. He said at the end of every business day at the beginning, I would look at every single solitary thing I did. I took pick my entire list of tasks. And I would put somebody's name next to it and assign it to them the next day, mm. so his yeah, his job was to eliminate everything he did except what his purpose was, which was programming
1: so Rick, you and I both know many, many, many business owners who are just working for the paycheck they do not have a bigger vision of what their business could bring for them or what what their business can do for them. You know, one of the, I think, um, most important things that the Business Finishing School does for business owners and people is it gives them a vision of what their company can be like, right, what their life can be like. Um, you talk about um, these business owners that, that are really just have a job. Um they're not thinking about what they can sell their business for. They're not thinking about how they can position their business to work for them instead of them working for their business. They're really an employee of the business. Talk about that, because um, I think that's, you know, most business owners don't see themselves as as having a business. I mean, they think they're business owners, but they really have, what, a job.
2: Yeah, not only do they have a job, but they have a job with a thousand more responsibilities. Yes. So imagine that you are a hairdresser and you take that technical ability and you decide to open up a hair salon. Now, not only are you still a hairdresser, but now you've got employee issues and IRS issues and rent issues and marketing issues. So you just took the same amount of income, ported it over to a business. And why did you start that business in the first place There's a common answer to that question. People go, I wanted freedom. I go, really? How's that working out for you? So it's not so if that same hairdresser or person who started a computer company or whatever, I've coached people that have over 1,000 employees, if that same business owner uh, approached that same hairdresser from a principled perspective, what do I want the values of the business to be for my clientele? What do I want the values to be for my employees? How do I want to uh, have my business objectified? What does, it mean? what does that mean? Every business has to have crystal clear objectives, and each employee has to have objectives, and you bonus your employees on those objectives. And how do I want my business to be rhythmicized? It's the word I like to use. So in other words, am I having uh, daily huddles with my employees and weekly meetings, and am I meeting with my CPA once a week at the same time? And you put all these rhythms and consistencies in place so that the business has a heartbeat you've heard me talk about this, Teresa. If you get all of this thing, all of these things working in concert, the business has a heartbeat. That's why McDonald's, I don't like their food, but wow, it's a multi-billion dollar company where a 16-year-old can open the place in the morning and close it at night, and McDonald's still makes their money because they've rhythmized everything. There's all kinds of rhythms and consistent ways of doing things. So I think the person that you just described that – starts a business, and has a job, that is is horrible. I can't think of a better word than horrible. Mm-hmm. Why don't you want to become a business person since you're a business owner? And if you're a business person, you've got simplicity, you've got probability, you've got leverage. I've had people see the program, smell it, look at it, kick the tires, and say, "Nah, I kind of like the life that i built. And they don't have a relationship with their kids because they're working all the time. They don't have a relationship with their employees because their employees hate their work style. And ultimately, they get to a point in time where they either hurt themselves physically and they can't run the business, and the business just ends. It literally just ends. Or they get into some screwy transaction when they get up in age, and they they get no money for it. So I believe if you're the type of person that wants to create an entity, that is worth something that you can sell, because that's where you're really going to create your wealth from. Then business finishing school is for you. If you're the type of person that wants to learn the hard way through the school of hard knocks, then it's not for you. It's that simple.
1: And it's the simplest way to, to learn, really. You, you've you got your video modules online. You take a module every single month. You work on that lesson for the month, and then you start the next one. Yeah.
2: and There's a workbook, and... One thing, I'm excited. You're going to be at the boot camp. You're going to bring your listeners there that come.
1: Mm-hmm. We're inviting um, our listeners to, to come in September.
2: And you're going to have them at a private dinner.
1: That's right. So,
2: yep, We'll have 300 people there. So the cool thing about the, the, the live boot camp, so the website that we set up for uh, you is livebusinessbootcamp.com. .com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's the weekend of September 27th. So on the 28th, that's Saturday, we're going to have a private dinner. You're going to have your listeners in the room and they're going to learn about uh, obviously what you do and how it fits in, but they're also going to learn about the foundational principles of business. So it's going to be a good symbiotic relationship between us.
1: Absolutely. And the business boot camp, I've been to, um, I think, three now. And um, basically, it's for 3 days you are just your your presentations and the information you're digging deeper into the online videos and the online modules um and I can tell you it's it's very interesting the first time that I went to the business boot camp I, you know I have certain principles for my practice but I never articulated that I never um you know looked at it you know um consciously As that way, I just knew there were certain strategies that I work with, with my with my clients. And there were certain ways that or certain things that I did with my employees. But after I walked away from the first boot camp, and I really understood um, the concept of having principles in your practice, my language changed. My speaking changed. When I speak to a client, and they tell me, well, why don't you use the strategy? You know, what I basically say is, you know, I have certain principles for my practice. And these are my principles, and this is why that strategy that you just mentioned does, is not something that I, that I utilize, because it does not fit my principles. It does not fit my requirements for you as my client. And Rick, it made my life so simple in terms of explaining what I do, and the client either says, all right, I agree with you, that's great, or they go elsewhere,
2: I've got a tingling up my spine right now. I love hearing stories like this. Because you want... You know when a customer says that I don't want your service, I like to kiss them on the cheek. Because normally that means they don't fit our values. But what do most business owners do? They try to pull them back in. No, no, no. Let me change this or change that. No, let them go. So I love the way you're talking. And I love the fact that it's had a huge impact on you. And I love your style. Now, if you recall... uh, Teresa got up on stage the first time at the boot camp.
1: I don't and, recall.
2: Yep. And, <laughs> and she said to me, "She she's such a trooper." One thing I love about you is your, your passion around learning and improving. She didn't get upset. Uh, I'm sure she was upset at her performance, but she didn't get upset at us or anything. She said, I want to learn as much as I can from you guys. And so... Not only did she do the program, but one of the people that were at the program who teaches a presentation, uh, I don't know, if, for lack of a better way, I keep saying for lack of a better way because there's a hundred ways to say it, but he teaches people how to present themselves in life and on stage and in conversation. And she went and flew out to California and did this program as well. And you've sunk your teeth in, in a big way. So I really applaud your way of approaching the world. And you're uh, an empty cup. Uh, too often people go through life and they're a full cup, and nothing can, you know, you can't add anything to them because they know everything. Well, you're an open vessel. And I love it. Well,
1: well, thank you, Rick. To tell the whole story, um, you know, I I was invited to to present at the finish, at the uh, Business Finishing School, and you did tell me that you had world class speakers that I would be sharing the stage with, and I said, yeah, yeah, no problem. You know, I I present all the time. No big deal. Wow, well, boy, was I humbled um, and so <laughs> oh, when I met the speakers, and I realized I am so out of my league here um and and the gentleman who spoke after me, um what was he like uh he was a one man show on Broadway and one like Broadway performer of the decade uh, and I realized, oh my gosh, I need to learn from this guy, so um no, you're you know our meeting. Um, has brought a lot of value into my life. And this is why I'm sharing this with my listeners and my clients. Um, business finishing school, I can't think of an easier way to learn uh, what you've got to teach. Um, I don't think in this show we've done cer- you know proper service to who you are and your background and who you are in the business world. Um, you are someone who has billionaires. As friends, you're actually aren't you working on a book based on your conversations with billionaires?
2: I am and billionaire mind
1: billionaire mind and the lessons that you've learned from these billionaires, and at the same time, you run your life with values and simplicity. Um, gosh, of course I want to hang out with people like you and learn as much as I can. I you know i I've, I've got I've got a way to go. Um I've got a lot to learn and well, I, th-
2: I learn from you too every every time we speak and um you actually embody all all of the values so I think we're very um aligned both you and I so there's no question about it I'm humbled by what you're saying and um you know at the end of the day it's funny people listen to messages like this and they say well that was a good talk and what were you and I saying at one point we don't want people to say that was a good talk we want people to take action that's what we want. And if you're not taking action, what are you doing? I, I I heard a quote. Some Somebody said once, there's three kinds of people in the world. There's, there's those that make things happen. There's those that watch things happen. And there's those that have no idea what happens.
1: Hmm.
2: Well, you have an opportunity here to make something happen. So livebusinessbootcamp.com. The name of the program is businessfinishingschool.com. Teresa, you'll be there with us again, which is great. Uh, I look forward to seeing you again. Are there any uh, final comments that you want?
1: Um, no, I think we're. I think we're good. I think um, you are who you hang out with, and you. Um, I think people in general, when they have an opportunity to learn from mentors, um, I, I mean, when does somebody have access to someone with your kind of information? You know, I think that's rare, and. Um, having an opportunity to spend three days with you having an opportunity to learn from your online training program um the value is unbelievable it's changed uh, my life you know you're not the only mentor that i have in my life so i need to be fair to to my other mentors but certainly um the way you present your information it's so simple and it's it's Not easy, necessarily, to implement, but so simple to do. And uh, the program that you've set up, I cannot encourage my listeners more. Um, LiveBusinessBootCamp.com. On Living Wealthy Radio, we will also have uh, the podcast of today's show and also the link to LiveBusinessBootCamp.com. And Rick, I'm so glad that I've got you in my life and uh, mentoring me. Um, virtually and personally, and uh, thank you for, for coming on the air today.
2: You're very, very welcome. Thank you for inviting me. I love doing things like this because it allows me to be on purpose.
1: And you are. You do live on purpose, that's for sure. All right, Rick, take care. God bless. Thanks, Teresa.
2: This presentation is for educational
0: and informational purposes only. The info being presented does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation and does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax advisor
2: or legal counsel or other professional, and you should not use the information in place of a personal consultation regarding your specific situation or needs prior to taking any action based on this information. We believe the info provided is